kill you all. Every nightmare you ever had. I am your worst dream come true. I'm everything you ever were afraid of. They're coming for you, Barbara. Surprise, Sydney. Honey, you got real ugly. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. I see dead Here's Johnny. He's alive. You can't handle the truth. Baba. Groovy. Get away from her, you bitch. Yes. But like Sandy died in that room. She died in that room a hundred times. Cinematic leap. Hi. <laughs> oh, should have, we should have really rehearsed that, Michael. My bad. Hi, and welcome to Cinematic Leap, a movie podcast where we apply a six degrees of Kevin Bacon style process to select our next movie. Each week, we'll watch a movie, provide our review, then take a cinematic leap by selecting an actor, director, or crew member within this pod's movie to choose our next movie. As always, I'm joined by my two wonderful co-hosts, Michael Thompson. Where do you think you're going? <laughs> nice. And Glenn Grading. If I could live any place and any time, I'd live here in London in the 60s. It must have felt like the centre of the universe. Mm. Mm. Probably not. I mean, the centre of the yeah. universe is actually really kind of far away. Yeah. What if she, what if she thought that at the end? Anyway. Yeah, probably. Um, yeah. Although, and like, you know, beautiful intro as usual, Scott. However. We don't leap. We're not doing that mm. with this episode. Well, we no. don't leap. Well, no, we don't. We don't leap. And I, look. It's cinematic, cinematically leave. run up the stairs. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Get trapped in the room. You could almost make don't that intro, like, just as part of the actual title opening music. We could just add that little, what you say, because you say the same thing every time. We could just add it to the music and just play it. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> Maybe we'll think it about would that. It would make life easier. <laughs> yeah. How are we, gentlemen? Yeah, good, good. Kind of, you know, coming off uh, the the film last night in Soho. Mm. Um, yeah, and also like, and we just kind of finished the um, Streslicky Showtime. Yes. So um, yeah, been very busy. Successful production, was it, Mark? It was. Yeah, it's good. I mean. It, I was in a, you know, I was in a dark place for most of the time, because um, I was in the pit. The oh, pit was like say, a dark. Yeah. It wasn't that bad, was it? But <laughs> no, it was great. Yeah, no. Well, I mean, in the pit though, you can't see what's going on stage. I had like a couple of screens going on, but yeah, it's dark. You know, you're not talking a lot, and you just got to watch the music. It's like you, it's very zen. So, oh, yeah. Very nice. But I thought it was very horror. I was in a dark place. Mm. And Glenn, <laughs> I wasn't in go. a dark place. I've been busy. You are too. now though. Yeah. But I can't talk about it. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Like, is very that a non-disclosure agreement? Very exciting. I don't know what that means. I'm on a jury and I can't talk about it. Oh. oh. Excellent. Oh, well, say no more, lest you get yeah. the court case get thrown out. Don't <laughs> know anything. Well, I'm loving life at the moment. It's October, so it's horror month for me. Yeah. Uh, what have you watched, Scotty G? Getting a list I think up. I've watched 14 horror movies 14. so far, up until the 23rd or the 10th. There's some been some really good ones, and there's been some terrible ones. And then I've also watched two other non-horror movies, those being Six Underground, which is a fantastic film, and Taylor Swift, The Eras Tour. So I tell you, it's been a mix. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a mix. 
What was Taylor Swift like? It wasn't a horror. It's actually really good. That sounds like no. a horror. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, actually, <laughs> screaming. A lot of, a lot of yeah. screaming, surely. <laughs> yeah. There was, yes. A lot of young girls screaming. Not, not that dissimilar to some of the horror movies I've watched over the last um, month. But um, no, very good. And just like a Taylor Swift concert, just a shitload cheaper, which is which was a positive. So, yeah. yeah. But no, I mean, I've watched lots more. I've watched leap to a couple it. of uh, Friday the 13th, part seven and part eight. Uh-huh. And, they, and they really should have stopped at about four. Oh, really? Watching, yeah. And which one's the Friday the 13th one? Uh, Jason. Oh, Jason Voorhees. Yeah. Jason versus Freddy is all right, though. Yes, I, I watched that uh, well, a couple of months ago. Uh, most fun movie I think I've watched was Cocaine Bear. Hmm. Mm. You've, you've, you've talked about that a lot. We're going to leap to that one day. Um, Somehow, somewhere. Yeah. And Happy Death Day, I watched that over the weekend. That wasn't bad. I watched that a few years. I watched that when it came out. It was mm. um was all right. Groundhog Day meets horror. Hmm. And I've tried yeah. to do a bit of a mix too. I've had some, you know, the, the supernatural. No, Happy, no. no. Which one? Still the sequel to that. Stole my idea. Well, I I own it. Still, just used. Just I've used I bought it. I haven't watched it. Mm. Well, there's still eight days to go, Glenn. So you never mm. know. It's so um, it's, it's funny. I wrote, and then they've made it before I got to finish what oh, I was doing. Oh, it's so frustrating. <laughs> um, I find like you know, I buy horror films, but then I don't watch them. Like I've got like a number of unopened, like they're because still in the plastic horror films. I didn't think you liked horror. Well, that's what, yeah, but, yeah. So, I'm not a big fan, but sometimes I'll go, oh, I should watch that at some point, <laughs> somewhere, sometime. So while but we're then talking I don't... about that, like, I I didn't know that. I mean, I'm a big horror fan. And mm-hmm. Glenn, I think you're a, you're a bit of a horror fan uh, as well. Probably not as much as you are that, that I've discovered um, the last <laughs> year, couple of years. Like, I thought I was a big horror fan, but you were just taking it beyond what I do. So, <laughs> yeah. no, Horror do. obsessive. Why, why, or why do you like horror, Michael, or why don't you like horror? Um, I don't know. Like, it's a... I think I, I react quite you know, sort of largely on films. Like, you know, I'm the guy, I'm, I don't usually jump, I duck a lot. So they usually... <laughs> 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 oh, the old Yeah. when you, you watch duck. a movie, Michael, you, you get you get lost in it, don't you? You like really get immersed in it. And, and I yeah. guess when it's horror, it really, uh, it can be really effective for you, maybe. I'm, <laughs> I'm in there. I'm in deep. Mm. Like, you know, I'm, and I'm watching the story and I'm kind of in it. Um, and sometimes people take me out of like, like, I'm literally watching the last, um, the last night in Soho, um, Cara made a comment and I've gone, not, not now I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to be in this. Um, yeah, but, uh, you know, I, I remember one of the, and like aliens is not even a horror film. Like it's got horror elements in it. Um, but I remember like, you know, when the, the face hugger jumps and I ducked like six foot, <laughs> Um, yeah, so I'm, I jump, I react, I kind of, you know, I'm cringing, I'm like, you know, kind of trying to climb up the couch. Um, so yeah, so it's not that I, I don't actively go see them. Um, although, yeah, but I have watched like some horror, um, TV shows like, uh, Lovecraft Country, you know, that was great. I play Call of Cthulhu, which is a horror based role playing game. Um, you know, watch Supernatural, which got horror themes, um, so yeah, it's, it's a, it's a mixed one. I think movies is like, you know, it's kind of, you're just deeper in it. Um, so yeah. Yep. Glenn, why do you like horror films? Um, probably the opposite to my, I don't know. I don't really know why, because I mean, do I, I don't really enjoy watching people being killed. Um, but 
<laughs> what what I like is, I guess I like is, I watch them to find something because nothing really scares me. Nothing really actually gets me. Like I watch these films, I'm like, I wonder if this one will actually be scary. And I watch it, I'm like, yeah, wasn't scary. It was just another movie. And you know, The Exorcist is supposed to be one of the most scary films ever. And I watched that, and I was like, yeah, wasn't that scary? It was good production. You know, I I kind of see the production. I don't see the what you're supposed to see. Mm. So I don't I keep I keep seeing new films, new horror films like maybe this is the one that's going to really frighten me and be really amazing. And I think one that the one that come closest was Drag Me to Hell, um which is yeah. why it's one of my favorite horror films, but yeah, I don't know why I enjoy them. I just I guess the atmosphere is nice. It's different because I guess it's different to life. The the, the music and the darkness and the atmosphere mm. and the suspense. Um but but a lot of it is just seeing if this one gonna scare me or not i don't know <laughs> hmm. i mean for me usually yes it is gonna scare me <laughs> i think yeah for me it is probably that yeah I, i'm not a, like i've watched it obviously a lot but then there are some that that once you are immersed in it they just grip you i watched this other i watched this one uh last weekend i think it was called don't breathe uh which is actually not a bad film how's your breath these. uh i tell you what i held my breath for some large parts of the movie because it's actually really well done. So I, I recommend it to people to go and watch. I won't give you too much about it. But um, just I, I'm not a, I don't usually get scared um, with watching them. I don't mind the – I get the odd jump scare here and there, but generally speaking, I don't have fear of watching a horror film. Um, and I've watched you know, a host of them. I've watched, you know, the you – know, I love the slash of things. I love the big animals. I mean, Jaws is one of my favourite movies of all time. Um you know, I I'm not a huge fan of torture porn ones like Hostel and things like that. But, oh, knock knock. Uh, knock, knock. <laughs> yeah, knock knock. It'd be interesting <laughs> how we position that one. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's just it's just something that there's that moment in a lot of those films where you do feel genuine terror, and I think that's that's something that you just makes you feel. So it's good. Mm. I do enjoy it. I was thinking something like um I really like um, I teach media as part of my job, which is kind of nice. Um. And more often than not, like, you know, um, there are horror films like, you know, I, last year with my, the Year 11 students, we made a, a, a horror comedy. Yep. Like, you know, and it was a lot of fun. So, yeah, I have a mixed relationship with horror. Yeah. Has a ever, Glenn, has, has a horror movie ever disturbed you? Like, have you ever come away from a horror movie and just gone, no, nah. nah, that's, that's, that's what I, that's what I want. That's what I want to happen. That's what I keep trying. Not really. I mean, I guess that's what I watched them from a very young age. Maybe that's why they don't really affect me. Mm. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Not really. Not <laughs> you watched them over a very young age. I did. I <laughs> my uncle. My uncle owned a video shop when I was like, you know, back in oh, the nice. <laughs> early. It would have been early nineties. I went through all the Nightmare on Elm Streets and Friday Thirteenth yeah. and all that stuff on school holidays and just because it was free, I just took as much mm. as I wanted and watched mm. it all. I loved all the Child's Play and. Um, classic horrors back from even even the ones that no one's ever heard like of. Ghoulies, like, do you remember ghoulies? Sleepovers, uh, yep. sleepovers with yeah. my friends in you know early years of high school, and we'd watch horror movies all night, and it was just fun. And I guess I got maybe desensitized to them. <laughs> maybe yeah. I mean because I, I don't feel yeah. I got desensitized. Like you know, I, I remember watching Ghoulies, and then um, there was Trolls. Like I've watched quite a few 
yeah. you know, like the kitty, the horrors, the and gremlins, stuff and those yeah. sort of ones. Yeah. I don't know. It gets to a point those are just kind of not nah, not for me. Maybe it was the ah. slashes. Um, but event of, event few... horizon is probably my kind. Uh, <laughs> I've watched I it a... once, mm. haven't gone back, but I want to go back, but I don't want to go back. I have a little bit uh, of a fear yes. of getting stuck in an elevator. Um, and we should and make a movie about that. They were well. I'd watched one when in like ninety ninety two or one, and it was a. It was called the lift or something like that, or the elevator. I don't know. It was called something basically like that, and it was a horror movie about a lift, and it was like. That's that's a scary one. <laughs> well, for, for you know, when you have a fear of that sort of thing. <laughs> mm. I reckon I've only found one that's really disturbed me, and that was Eden Lake. I come out of that. Was just, it a romantic comedy? Yeah, no, not so much. <laughs> it starts out as such, but no, it's, it sounds like that. It. Actually, I come out of that, and I've just gone, oh, I just feel shit like that. Really, uh, that left lingering marks on me. I reckon that was. That was a, a very good film, but oh no, it was that was that got me that one. I watched The Hills of Eyes. Apparently, the people think that's deceiving. That was a couple of moments in it were pretty average, but that wasn't what about too bad. Um, Blair Witch? <sighs> yeah, that was just. I remember oh, that when was that rubbish. Came out. That was huge and it absolute it. rubbish. <laughs> absolute waste of cinema. Rubbish. Uh, and lastly, uh, favorite genre of horror. So, you know, like your slashes, haunted house, supernatural, um, giant animal or animals. Mm. Obviously, piranhas aren't giant, but that was a fun Come thing. on, piranhas, yeah. Um, I guess, uh, um, you know, there's uh, sci-fi horrors, maybe the Lovecraftian horrors. Yeah. Um, That's where Event Horizon to come into it, I assume. Yeah. Freaky That's, film. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, and I guess like uh, occasionally the odd... Creature feature, like Slither was a was a ripper one, um, you know, which is both horror is like a horror comedy sci fi kind of going on there was from Peter Gunn. Um, yeah, yep. Go ahead. Um, I don't really, I don't really like the supernatural. You know, I don't like any of the Conjuring type ones or anything supernatural and and that sort of stuff. I just don't get into those. Um, anything satanic or, or, or that sort of thing, I don't get into that. Don't enjoy yep. it, and I don't really like the creature ones either too much, unless they're special. I mean, I don't mind the you know the Cloverfield type movies or um, anything that that's not not supernatural, but something that's unknown. I kind of like that, um, yep. and I like the classics like you know Child's Play or. Um, uh, just yeah, you have more scream and 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 those slasher Slash sort of ones, I guess. Yeah, they're all even though they're all the same in a way, but I guess that if I had to, yeah, probably those. Yeah, yeah, I'm probably I I probably slasher first and foremost. I love I've watched you know just about all of the Halloween films, most of the just about all of the Friday the Thirteenths, and watched a few of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Love Scream, all of those. So. Um, probably a big fan of the slashes, but I also love big animals or just the animal, the creature features. Um, they're just fun. They're, <laughs> you know, there's some, I like, as I've said, like Jaws is one of my all time favorite films. I remember watching the original alligator when it came out back in the eighties. Um, I remember my day. neighbor telling me about alligator in yeah. my cubby house in the eighties and then not watching it. <laughs> I was going to watch it's, it later, but I'd love to watch it. It's pretty scary just to see what it's like. <laughs> but um, and I remember watching the original Piranha, and then 
obviously I've watched the subsequent ones. I watched a really good one the other week, uh, Crawl, which is about all- big alligators in your in Florida, which wasn't a bad flick. So, yeah, was it a documentary? Because well, there are alligators in, in Florida. Is it mm. just a doco? Or? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So, Glenn, this was your choice. So we are doing... Um, the movie The Last Night in Soho. It's a 2021 psychological horror film directed and co-written by Edgar Wright, who's almost becoming like a Nick Cage spirit animal to us. It's like a darling of the, the cinematic yeah. group. Yeah, I'd love to say mm. friend of the pod, but I don't know if he listens. I'd love, I don't think he listens. But One anyway. day. One day. Stars Thomas and McKenzie and Anya Taylor-Joy. Co-stars Matt Smith, Rita Tushingham, Diana Rigg, Terence Stamp and Michael Ayo. Uh, had a budget of $43 million, made $23 million, which might be our, our biggest loser, I think, mm. so far. Um, Rotten Tomatoes has an average score of 75% with an audience score of 90%. With the critics' consensus reading, although it struggles to maintain its thrilling early momentum, last night in Soho shows flashes of Edgar Wright at his most stylish and ambitious. Uh, Metacritic, 65 out of 100 is the critic score with a user score of 57.1. That's interesting. Ooh, the, very the widely kind of yeah, interesting the difference between that and Rotten Tomatoes. Um, mm. IMDb has an average score of seven out of ten. Rob Collin of the Daily Telegraph gave the film score of four and a half. Oh, sorry, four five, four stars out of five, describing it as a writer's rascally hybrid of a thing, part glittery love letter to the disreputable nightlife district in which it takes place part-dating psychological thriller that rips up the letter as soon as it's written before tearfully torching the scraps. Wow, it's very wordy. Mm. Uh, he also praised the cinematography and the spellbinding recreation of the West End of the 60s. Uh, Jam Brooks of The Guardian gave the film four out of five stars, describing it as gaudy time travel romp that whisks its modern-day heroine to bygone London that probably never existed outside our fevered cultural imagination and called it thoroughly silly and stupidly enjoyable. Uh, Brad Wheeler of the Globe gave the film a score two and a half out of two and a half stars out of four, writing, though visually sumptuous and a bunch of fun early on, Edgar Wright takes on the 60s and 70s horror eventually devolves into an unsatisfying spoof. Uh, mm. Richard Lawson of Vanity Fair was more critical of the film, describing it as a clumsy horror pastiche uh, and writing, perhaps the film's thematic intentions are noble, but its execution is glib, never finding the right balance between compassion and leering. Uh, and finally, Robert Daniels at RogerEbert.com gave the film a score of one and a half out of four stars, writing Ooh, wow. that is funny and cha- chaotic, slick and stylish, and falls apart in its confounding second half. Uh, it was nominated for seven Hollywood Critic Association Awards, which I don't even know what they are, uh, for Best Picture, Best Horror Film, Best Original Screenplay, Best Score, Best Production Design, Best Editing, Best Costume Design, winning for Best Horror Film and Best Editing. The editing, I certainly agree with. Uh, and was also nominated for two uh, awards at, for, at the British Film Awards for Outstanding British Film and Best Sound. Mm. All right. So, Glenn, you chose five. We all got to choose five movies. Your movies were this, Train to Busan, Blood Red Sky, Child's Play, and Drag Me to Hell. Uh, why did you choose this one as one of your five? I don't know, because I had to pick five. <laughs> and I, I didn't want this one, um, but we got it. <laughs> <laughs> it's unlucky. 
technically I go. nominated this as one of my five and you picked it out of the thing, which means you picked it out. It, it was a random selection, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, but apparently uh, I'm doing Mark, the synopsis. Yes, you are, because it is your film. Look, I had well, I had wanted to see it, um, so I'm glad I did. Uh, yeah. Just because, like, you know, yeah, good right film and, like, you know, he's, uh, he's definitely in that auteur kind of... You know, swimming pool where you know we actually are seeing an artist as a director like you know it you know, brings a attention to detail like you know that kind of um you know selection of soundtrack to support the film um uh dramatic lighting cinematography so like there's a lot of you know those kind of things that he he's bring you know brought to the films like we saw in baby driver and um and his other films so mm. yeah um i was keen to see it I'd never heard of it. So when mm. Glenn chose it, I had no idea what it was. Um, yep. And I reckon about an hour into the film, I still had no idea what it was. But um, <laughs> yeah, I was, I was, look, I was looking forward to it. I, it's a new horror film that I hadn't heard of. And I thought, oh, well, I'll give it a, keen to give it a watch. So, mm. um, all right. Michael, without further ado, throw the trailer. from the past. The guy that killed her is still out there. I have to stop him. Where are you going? I know what you did. I've done a lot of things. You're gonna have to be more specific, love. You can't save me. Good trial. 
Uh, Gwen, obviously you will be doing the synopsis. As always, people, there will be spoilers. So if you do not want the movie spoiled for you, please uh, pause the pod, go and watch the film, come back and listen to our review. Glenn, over to you. Uh, just a warning. This is I had two synopsises. This is the long version. Okay. <laughs> so is it, is it is it contagion long or? I don't think I don't think anything is. <laughs> but uh, we'll see. I think it brushes over the ending quite quickly, but we'll see. See how we go. Um, the film starts as Eloise Turner is dancing in her room. She is an aspiring fashion designer who lives with her grandmother and has been mourning the death of her mother, who appears to Ellie in mirror reflections at times. Uh, Peggy shows Ellie a letter she has received, informing her she has been accepted into a fashion school in London. Ellie is excited, but Peggy warns her that there are bad men up where she is going. Ellie takes a train to London and is driven to her room by a local taxi. The taxi driver makes creepy comments to Ellie, so she gets off uh, and waits for the man to leave so she can keep walking to her room. Uh, mm, she gets smart. there and she, she gets there and meets her roommate Jocasta. Uh, Ellie goes <laughs> out uh, Ellie goes out with Jocasta and her friends where it is revealed that Ellie's mother died by suicide after a struggle with mental illness. While in the ladies' room, Ellie overhears Jocasta talking trash about her and the other girls. Ellie loves Ellie leaves the pub and walks back to her room, spotting an older man looking her way and smirking. Jocasta later brings a guy back to her room to hook up with while Ellie tries to sleep. Um, The older man has come out of the massage parlour. Massage parlour. So it's worth noting. Uh, She leaves her room and finds a party going on outside. The only student to befriend her is a young man named John. Uh, the next morning, Ellie wakes up late and runs to class where she makes it on just in time for attendance. Um, Ellie decides to find a place of her own for peace of mind. She finds a room in a boarding house kept by an old woman named Mrs. Col- Miss Collins. M- Ms. Collins. Uh, she gives Ellie a set of rules to follow and allows her to stay in the bedroom upstairs. Ellie likes the place and rests for the night, sleeping all the way under the covers, enjoying the quiet. When Ellie gets out of bed, she finds herself somehow in the 1960s. She walks into a venue called Café de Paris and sees her reflection as another young woman named Sandy. Ellie follows Sandy as though she is there watching everything unfold like an invisible spirit. Sandy wants to be a singer at the venue, but is met with unwanted attention by a surly patron. Uh, She is told to speak to a man named Jack about being a singer. Sandy meets Jack and is charmed by him. He starts to leave with her when the the patron makes rude rude comments. Jack punches him in the face and runs away with Sandy, kissing her in a phone booth, which is reflected as also happening with Ellie. As Ellie keeps moving, she finds Sandy in her bed, but when she tries to touch her, she wakes up back in the present. Mm-hmm. I was wondering where this movie was going at this stage. Like I know you love a good, you love your good, um, you know, time warp. Movies, Glenn. I thought, okay, so this is what we're doing here. Um, yeah. The the thing that really, and we'll talk about it probably more later on. The thing that stood out to me here was, um, just the the shots that we had of mm. like watching them in the mirror. Like I thought it was just so well done, and the editing and everything else in this part. Of, oh, the the dance scene was just yeah. amazing. Like you know, 
was that in camera or was that effects or i mean it might have been a combination of both but you know they'd uh, basically spin off and then someone else would come back on and mm-hmm. you know you feasibly could do that with a you know a fair bit of kind of practice and training um so yeah, yeah like i thought that was that was pretty cool and I did see a little bit of behind the scenes footage on the on the Blu-ray where like you know it had some of those mirror shots and it have that and then um, Thomason would be in like a green screen space behind it, so then it would kind of you know have like a that actually there was a, an effect going on. So yeah, it was mm. some fascinating also, stuff. And the special I was wondering features. how the hell they did it. Yeah, mm. sorry. Yeah, in the, there is in the special features as well that shot of them dancing. It's all one shot mostly. Yeah, they do it all is one shot where. And she just runs around behind the camera and comes back in again, and they wow. sort of duck out and duck in, and it's all one shot. And yep. It's not effects; it's just actually just really yep. well choreographed. Well done. We're, we're just brilliant filmmaking. That's what it is. Yep. And look, yep. you know, you think back to you know what Edgar Wright did with that Baby Driver, and you're going, "Yeah, I believe that he he pulled that off." Mm. Like, um, yeah, just kind of some nice, some great visuals too. Like you know, the, one of our opening shots with um, uh, Eloise. You know, we uh, at the end of a hallway, um, and it, she's backlit in a like you know an Audrey Hepburn sort of gown. Um, looks, you know, it's great. It's a great silhouette, and then it kind of like, you know starts. She starts dancing, and that regular light comes on, and she's in a paper dress, and then she's kind of, you know, just dancing around. Um, yeah, like it's it, it's good, but like you know, also kind of sets a, a really good scene. It's a good opening, and it looks like yeah. a mirror reflection, and it's really well done the whole way through, except. If you look at it, like when she's walking down the stairs, she's looking to her left, and in the mirror, she's looking in the same direction. So it's not actually a reflection because the mirror would be mm. looking away, mm. and you wouldn't see yep. her face. You know what I mean? But it's they're both looking in the same direction, so it's a mirror. There's definitely a creepiness not, going on. It's it's really clever, and but it looked it just yeah. you didn't question it. You sort of just watched it and thought it was yeah, it was really good. It's anyway. like a mirror image, but it's not because she, she thinks she's Sandy. But yeah, lots of questions about that. But yeah. Um, at school, Ellie becomes inspired to create a design based on what she saw Sandy wearing. Jocasta notes a hickey on Ellie's neck from where Jack had been kissing her slash Sandy. Oh, Jocasta. Jocasta, Later that night, <laughs> Ellie goes back to sleep, hoping to wake up in the 60s again. She finds herself as Sandy and Jack get closer, and he brings Sandy to meet the owner of a different venue, the Rialto, so that she can sing for him, performing the song Downtown. The men note that she can definitely sing. Uh, back in the present, Ellie dyes her hair blonde like Sandy's and continues to work on her dress design, which her teacher seems to like, while Jocasta just mocks her out of pettiness. Ellie later sees the venue where she saw Sa- Sandy perform as it appears in the present day. She then goes to a pub to ask for a job. As she heads back to her room, the old man who saw her from the other night follows her and claims to recognise her because of her hair, but he insists he is not trying to pick her up. Ellie returns to the 60s and goes to the Rialto, but finds Sandy is now performing as part of a group of skimpy-dressed women dancing as backup for a woman performing as a marionette. As Ellie follows Sandy around a little more, she sees that Jack is more abusive and is telling her that she has to make certain men happy if she wants to make it in the music business. Ellie sees Sandy in the bedroom as a lecherous man approaches her with his pants off. Ellie screams at the man to not touch Sandy, and he appears to hear her, but Ellie wakes up. The experience causes Ellie to rip up the pink dress design she originally drew in class. Ellie continues to get through work and school while keeping her excursions to the past a secret from anyone else. 
In her next trip to the 60s, she sees that Sandy is becoming more jaded and unhappy as Jack has forced her into prostitution and she must service a barrage of, hor- a barrage of horrible men. Mm, what a lovely name. A, uh, while she also develops a drug and alcohol problem. She uses fake, fake names like Alex, Lexi or Anna. Only one man does not take advantage of her and is polite and charming to her. Mm. Sandy talks down about herself while Ellie tries to get her attention through the mirror. She manages to smash through the glass and grab Sandy, but she wakes up. Hmm. <clears throat> yes. um, I think like it, the the film does a good job of um, obscuring who uh, the old Ben, you know, with white hair, white hair is during this part. Mm. Like, you know, you see him there and like, you know, there's contact and... Because um, I'm thinking he's Jack. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And, and yeah, Eloise is kind of definitely... Um, old man Jack. Yeah, is is certainly kind of helping push that story along. Like, you know, I did think once, like, you know, that the the cop character was introduced that, oh, well, maybe he's that, it's that guy. But it wasn't oh, it. Yeah, it, like it popped up. I'm going, oh, maybe it's that guy. No, um, it's just all in that the old guy was had to be Jack and that's where this this was sort of going yeah and uh, and I'm also thinking at this point when is this a horror this isn't really mm. horror <laughs> are you thinking that yeah exactly well, the same I think we're we're over an hour in at this stage and I'm going yeah the it's funny like you know because it it really plays more out like a, a detective mystery like it's more of a mystery than anything mm. else isn't it felt like a bit um, of a whodunit yeah, very much so. Like, you know, we're kind of getting all this backstory around what the go is and then we're going to, you know, obviously this is, you know, the the turning point is going to come and we're going to get, you know, where, you know, and we knew someone, she was going to die. Like that came, you know, I think that was, um, like even when I like first saw the previews back when it came out, like I thought, oh yeah, you know, the girl in the 60s dies. It was mm. my thought. Yeah, um, same. Yeah. Even though it's not really horror, there's a little bit of chills when she's you know does it the before she wake the moments before she wakes up, you know when she's shouting yeah. through the mirror. It's definitely like eerie. Yeah, yeah, um, and I guess but it's once it's sort of like you know, um, it turns we start getting the um, the faceless men, um, you know, and that's that's where that kind of that haunting vibe, that haunting horror kind of starts coming to the mm. fore. Well, that's what we start to. She starts to see those, yeah, the haunting men. Well, I actually, did a really good job of of building up the backstory of um, of Sandy, and yeah, we've we've really got a great understanding now of who that character is. After going, why would Ellie have anything to do with this person? To having mm. this, oh my god, you know, like you can, you've got this genuine care for this Sandy as well. Yeah. Um, and I guess that was really well done because obviously. Yeah, the point where at this point I'm assuming that she's the one that's going to die. You are going to start going, oh shit, that's you, you, yeah. you, you're going to feel terrible about that. Hmm. It's funny we do actually see her gift manifest earlier in the film too. Um, like when she's actually down at the pub for the first time, she looks across and there's a guy who's clearly a ghost. Like he's like he's pale, like you know, and and she looks and then I oh. think she looks back and he's he's not there. Um, so it is hinting at that. pretty pale as the general rule. <laughs> no, no, he was ghost pale. <laughs> Definitely a ghost. Um, yeah, so it, it does show up that, like, you know, she does see things and, like, it is, you know, a thing that's 
happening but yeah certainly once she's kind of immersed in that story like you know that kind of mm. you know what's happening to sandy suddenly it's all these faceless men you know trying to grab her and following her and haunting her mm. Mm. yes so <clears throat> john sees that ellie is looking a bit unwell so he invites her out to a halloween party jacasta and her friends see them together and give them drinks I immediately was like, oh my gosh, are they drugged? <laughs> Same. <laughs> Those drinks. It was just too out of character to just give someone you don't like to drinks. But anyway, um, they all start dancing. But in the middle of things, Ali hallucinates seeing ghoulish versions of the men who took advantage of Sandy, as well as Sandy herself dancing alone. John takes Ellie home when he sees her looking bad. They start to kiss and go to her room for sex but ellie looks up and sees the ceiling mirror showing jack attacking sandy ellie starts yelling at him to get off her she then appears to see jack stabbing sandy to death miss collins overhears the noise and orders john to leave as one of her rules is not having male visitors she simply tells ellie to go to bed i think she breaks a mirror at this point as well yeah she does um no no it's the it's john when he's backing out yeah, kind of hits oh, the she mirror. She says, "Sorry, sorry about the broken mirror," and she's like, "Yeah, we, we're all sorry when a mirror's broken or something." <laughs> um, <laughs> the next day, Ellie apologizes to Miss Collins about what happened. She asks if her, she asks her if anyone died in her room, but Miss Collins is dodgy about it. That's a weird way to write that. She said, um, "She said dismissive is probably better." She says, "Every someone's yeah. died in every room in London." <laughs> yeah, on every place. corner. Yes. Yeah. Um, um, old city, lots of death. Later, Ellie goes to the library to look up murders in the sixties, and I love a good library scene in a in a ghost movie like Ghostbusters. <laughs> mm. Do they actually yep. have those machines, Glenn, where I can go back and look at the articles from nineteen uh, yes. sixty? Um. Yes. Yep. The bigger oh. libraries, yes. Um. And these, do they still kind of as well, depending what you're after. Well, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, do they still do it? Like, do they still kind of get the, like, make new ones of them? Um, they're still digitised, yeah. Yeah, although yeah. I think not on the same, it's probably on a different format now. Hmm. Yeah. It's um, fascinating. She also goes to the police at this stage as well. Yep. But they don't believe her. And then she goes to the library. Hmm. Um, she begins to hallucinate the ghost men following her around the library, nearly leading her to stab Jocasta in the face with a pair of scissors. Would have been justified. Uh, mm. John runs after Jocasta to explain things while Ellie leaves in a panic. She runs to the police station to report the murder, now believing that the old man is Jack and that he got away with killing Sandy. But the, de- but the detectives know she has little to go off of. To go off of. Um, Ellie arrives late for work and finds that the old man is waiting for her. She takes out her mobile phone to try and record a confession out of him, but when she brings up Sandy, the man says, Alex killed Sandy, and that whatever happened to her was something that she got herself into. Ellie runs after mm. the man, but he gets hit by a car on the street and dies. I love when that happens <laughs> in a film. Just Classic. <laughs> ran- randomly gets hit by a car. Yeah, well, and the irony is because of, like, you know, she, he warned her earlier, don't go standing out in the middle of the street. And it's funny, like, that could have been, you know, if she had not run up the inference ladder, I suppose is probably a good way to say it, um, and just kind of quiz him, hey, you were around here then. What happened to Sandy? Mm. Well, ask Alex. Who is Alex? 
uh, Alexandra Cullinan, the woman you live with. They're the same person. Oh. <laughs> Bang and <me. laughs> Oh, she's still alive. Well, where's Jack then? We don't know. We don't know where all these other men have gone. It's like, <gasps> boom. Serial killer. <laughs> yep. Yeah, she's looking up uh, murders in the 60s, but not men. And all. The, all, the, all the things were coming up. I'm not sure if you kind of remember some of the flashes of that sort of, all those like um, files, but it was saying like, you know, there were missing and... Yeah, there were you know, missing men, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, we saw um, Sandy's work, you know, handiwork there, um, but we were seeing the wrong information. And I guess like, you know, you think about the, you know, the, what we were seeing and then the face murders men rocking up. And I'm only just making this link now. It kind of makes sense because they are the faceless men, you know. That's why they kind of like you know start chasing her in the library because they're trying to help. They're hoping that she'll be able to help us avenge, <laughs> avenge their death. Yes. Yeah. Um, so Ali's boss tells someone to call for help, and um. And says that he's a former cop named Lindsay. Ellie realizes the man is not Jack, but rather a gentleman who was polite with her and didn't sleep with her. <laughs> okay. Uh, mm. Ellie returns to her room and makes plans to go back home in the countryside to live with her grandmother. Miss Collins gives Ellie tea and her mail. One letter is addressed to Miss Collins, revealing her name to be Alexandra, which is what Sandy told Jack her name was short for. Miss Collins reveals that someone did die in Ellie's room, her. Miss Collins was Sandy. After enduring all the abuse in her life, she let her life as Sandy die when she stabbed Jack to death. She later got revenge on all the men who abused her by murdering them. Miss Collins then reveals that she poisoned Ellie's tea and will make it look like a suicide. John then comes looking for Ellie, who, regain, who regains enough strength to warn John to run. Miss Collins stabs him while Ellie tries to run upstairs, seeing the younger, seeing the younger Sandy attacking her. Downstairs, a fire starts and begins spreading. Ellie locks herself in her room where the spirits of Sandy's victims break through the floors and walls, begging Ellie to kill Miss Collins. When she finally breaks in, she sees her reflection as Sandy and realises she has become just as much of a monster as the man, men who hurt her. She tries to slit her throat, but Ellie stops her and tries to help her. Miss Collins chooses to stay and die in the fire while letting Ellie go. Ellie gets John out of there as medics arrive and Miss Collins allows the flames to consume her. Sometime later, Ellie presents her work in a fashion show with Peggy and John in attendance to cheer her on along with the rest of the audience. Her teacher congratula congratulates her as do the other girls, excluding Jocasta who continues to re remain a petty bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and she once again sees her mother's reflection smiling at her. As Peggy and John come to congratulate her, Ellie sees Sandy's reflection in the mirror waving at her. End mm. movie. Nice work, Glenn. Yep. Finn. All right. Cast and characters. So we'll start obviously with the main one, Thomas and McKenzie, who played Ellie Turner. Um, what are our thoughts on Ellie? I've I've got mixed feelings. I like her. Like, and I watched her in um, uh, Totally Completely Fine, and like you know, that was a you know an emotional roller coaster of a film. Oh no, TV series. Um, and it was good. It was great. Um, and her performance in this was good as well. But there's something about her that kind of, it's, I don't know. Sometimes it like you know I come out of the performance. I don't, I don't know what it is. 
Um, the voice? Yeah, it's probably the voice, isn't it? Um, that's very husky. And, um, it's very like a high, not high pitch, but it's a, it's a higher octave. Register, is the word? Register, higher register. that's the one yeah. I'm looking for. Um, voice. Hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but I think like you know, uh, it was a, uh, it's good. Like you know, you truly kind of, um, you know, look scared and ter- scared and terrified and, you know, so she hit all that stuff. But yeah, like as um, and I think yeah, her um, she's from New Zealand, so like mm. there's something about like her accent that kind of you know trips in there. Um, but yeah, but at the same time, you you know, inter- interesting to watch. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think she's great. I really like her. Mm. I think she's great. She, she's just really good at, at the plain sort of playing the plain character, the plain everyday sort of person. I think yep. um, she just has that look about her, and it, it really. And when you see her in different roles, it's it is her voice that makes you think, oh, it's that, it's that her. You know, I sort mm. of recognise her more through her voice than her than her looks because she does yeah absolutely plain sort of character. Um, the first time I saw her or remember seeing her is in Jojo Rabbit, which I really liked. Oh, I hate um, that film. And I thought she was great in that um, as well. Um, hmm. But, yeah, I really liked her. I thought in this, I thought she was great. I think she's going to go on to even more bigger and better things. Yeah. Oh, look, and, like, um, totally completely fine. A Australian show on Stan, loved it, like, you know, and is, is like, this kind of tragic comedy kind of thing um, and just very compelling, like, you know, uh, great to watch. And, and she was in this as well, so... Yeah, I really enjoyed her performance. Um, thought she was the strong in the lead. Um, I haven't seen her in anything that I can think of, um, and I'm just having a look at her IMDb now. And no, I haven't. So, um, yeah, for me, she was someone completely new. And I, I, yeah, I agree. She plays this that just that, you know, sort of plain, unassuming girl really well. And I thought, you know. Her acting throughout, where you know that dream, that dreamy feeling that she had watching Sandy at the start, and then the genuine fear that she had with the ghosts, and you know when, um, when she thought she saw Sandy getting stabbed, I thought she played it really well. Mm. Um, yeah, I thought she was a pretty fun character. Yeah, uh, Anya Taylor Joy, who played Sandy Collins, an aspiring singer in the sixties in London. I must say, mm. I'll go first. I must say, yeah. I, I actually really enjoy. <laughs> Anya Taylor Joy, and I, I haven't seen her in any. I've watched the, um, uh, obviously the menu. I really enjoyed her in that and the Queen's Gambit. Oh yeah, are the, the two menu. things um, yeah. that I've seen her in, and I think she's she's a brilliant actor. She's you know she's got a really distinctive look about her, but I think she's an outs just an outstanding actor. Uh, and again yes. in this, I thought she was great. I really enjoyed her performance. Hmm. What was the scenery? Uh, Amsterdam? Yeah, she's oh. great. She's great. She's mm. just very pretty <laughs> and, mm. and, just, and a good actor. And yeah, she's done some, she does a lot of interesting roles, which is good. Uh, a lot of different roles. And um, yep. I probably she really, watch more of them. Yeah, she really embodied that kind of Sandy character, I think. Like there was kind of. Um, you, you could believe that mm. she was a you know aspiring singer and that she could really. Take, she, mm. she she could reach that goal that she had, you know, of being yeah. a singer on stage because she had that look and she's, yeah, embodied it. She moved well as well. You know, it's kind of like, you know, had that, um, you know, the 60s dancing down. Like it was, it was all those things and, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
it's good to watch her like work as an actor. I think like she's you know brought a lot to it. Hmm. Um, I actually watched there was a bit of uh, behind the scenes footage around uh, Thomason and and um, Anya like you know doing their reflection stuff. Um, and you know there was stuff they really kind of worked on like you know getting being in that space and kind of working on mirroring each other. Um, and that was fascinating to watch. So like you know I think that's a there's that combination when they're kind of embodying those scenes and they're kind of in a mirror space. They you know there's like a a good synergy between them. Like they kind of really did sort of, um, you know, like work on that as a part of their acting, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> There's better words. I can't think of them right <laughs> now. Um, yeah. So that was, that was good to watch. And like, there were obviously there were times when they weren't mirroring, but there was, you know, um, and that would take, you know, I think, uh, Thomas had talked about like, you're letting Anya take the lead on stuff and yeah. So very cool. Hmm. Um, now I'll throw it out. Uh, I had, you know, obviously we got like Matt Smith, Diana. Reed. Matt Smith. Great. I mean, he's, um, you guys may or may not know, um, he plays the, the 11th Doctor. Um, and it's probably one of the things he's most well known for. He's also been in, um, uh, the prequel for Game of Thrones. And, yes, that's where um, I knew him from. Yeah. I, a lot I of hadn't things. seen him in anything else. Um, but he's, you know, in that he's this kind of energetic ball of energy, you know, he's kind of up and wild and like it's a very different um, role for uh, for Matt, I guess, in that regard. Like, you know, he was kind of, um, you know, you see him as like, you know, this good guy or a kind of, uh, well, if you're a Doctor Who fan, um, and in that he is just this kind of, smarmy pimp and there was charm you know and then but like you know then he's yeah bad dude so mm. um yeah it's good to watch he's very similar to his game of thrones character in this i felt um mm. or house of the dragon i think it's called um yeah they're very common very similar you know that suave um but an absolute arsehole as bit well easy bit easy mm. maybe mm. you know who i really liked michael yeah. ajayo Michael Ajayo. As John. John. Oh, as John. Yeah. Was, I, 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 watching I him, him, it was just it was just like, I want this guy to be my friend. He's just the nicest guy. Like he's just yeah. genuine, genuine nice person who but real. It felt but real as well. And I was like, what a great just a great guy. Great character. I I think a, maybe the character I liked more than the I don't know, the actor was good, but I just like I think it was, yeah, I'm, um, I'm the same. I was shattered when he got stabbed. I'm like, no, yeah, don't kill no. him off. I like yeah. John. I think what was really kind of good about, like, you know, is he, he was this contrasting character to all the shit men, like, in the film. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we've seen so many, you know, we've got Jack, we've got um, all the Johns, but not him, John. Um, And, yeah, all these other sort of characters. And here is, you know, um, what was his character's name? John. (laughs) Just said it. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's just trying to be nice and he's, you know, it's caring and, and I think, like, you know, he's, when we first, he's first introduced, he's just on the edge of the, the room, um, and I just post the taxi guy. So mm. we're already put in that mindset, like, you know, of creepy guy, and men he's another guy. You know, yeah, mm. men are jerks. But really, he, he, you know, it wasn't. But, I mean, it was nicely done, because it really kind of, it's like, we're, we're wondering as an audience going, oh, is he another, is he another asshole? Um, but, yeah, he was, it was great. And, like, he was good to watch. But um, he was he was genuinely the only really nice mm. man male in the movie. I mean, you could say the silver haired gentleman as well, but even no, he for, was much, an for much of the movie, you're unsure of of what his intentions were. And in the end, he was he might have been 
a good guy. I mean, he was. A, yeah. Look, if he'd been a bit more, he could have yeah. been a bit more open about. Oh, by the way, I'm a cop from the sixties. Yeah. Yeah. So if he'd stopped and communicated. <laughs> yeah. If he just, yeah. <laughs> Rather well, than go we, on, women do say that about men that we don't communicate enough, and this is why. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. start communicating. We're going to get hit by a taxi. So yeah. it wasn't being so obscure in the pub, and going like you know, and just going, oh look, you know, you know, hi, but you know, let's introduce ourselves each other properly. My, my name is Lindsay. You yeah. know, like you do remind me of Sandy. That's now Alex. You know, she lives where you're living. Mm. Um, yeah, it's kind of it's pretty messed up. I'm pretty sure she's a serial killer in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like John is. He's, you know, because the silver-haired gentleman we're not sure of, Matt Smith's a prick. You know, the cab driver mm. that we see, or the taxi driver that we see right at the start is this sleazy asshole, and you get this guy going. And throughout this, you know, men are painted as, as absolutely horrible, yet John is this beacon throughout mm. the movie of just this genuinely nice person that yeah. whose you know, intention is just purely to be a friend. Um, and then obviously they get they hook up later on, which yeah. is nice. So, um, and probably look the last two. I Diana Rigg, to oh, me she's, she's um, the oh, what's her name, Elena, um, Queen of Thorns, oh, out of yeah, Game from, of Thrones. Yeah, yeah, same person. I think she's she also um, in um, Hot Fuzz. Oh, she might be. Uh, I don't know. I'll just check. No, I mean, she's, no, yeah, she'd like probably it. do a lot of those British films. Um, but I really enjoyed her. I thought, you know, I kept, um, I just kept seeing her and just got, just kept thinking of Lady Elena and they they sort of a little bit similar in some ways. Um, no, not in Hot Fuzz. No, she's not. But she was in um, On Her Majesty's Secret Service, which is a very underrated James Bond. <laughs> what a long career. Well, she's. Uh, this was her last film, I think, till she when she passed away. Ah. Hmm. So yeah, don't hold out for any more. Um, and then obviously you got Terence Stamp, who played the silver-haired gentleman. Um, yeah, I thought mm. he played his role really well. He was that mysterious guy that I guess was a little bit of a red herring in a lot of ways. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and I guess that's you know where it really does play out as a that murder We've kind of mystery. It, yeah. Um, and I very much was feeling that as it went, like it was more in that vein that it was really a, a horror film. And that's, I think that's why it, it kind of appealed to me in that regard. Like it was this kind of, um, it was more of a, less a horror, more of a supernatural murder mystery. Like, you know, when you kind of mm. spin that and you kind of go, oh, you know, it fits better. Um, you know, rather than psychological horror, like, you know, yeah, supernatural murder mystery. You go, ah. That's probably more where it sits, yeah. Mm. All right. Uh, Favourite scene. Ooh. Glenn, do you want to go first? The first time she goes to the 60s and the dance se- sequence. Oh, the first time she's of... the reflections, the first time yeah. you see all the reflections, the first time she meets Jack, the dance sequence. Mm. All that is my favourite scene. Yeah. It's got it all. It's got the music, it's got the editing, it's got the shots, it's got the 60s and it just, that section of the movie I've watched numerous times. Mm. Yep. Fair enough. Yep. Hard default. Yep. Um, Michael? I, I was particularly drawn to to some of the lighting kind of scenes, and there was this um uh scene when we first have Ellie in the the bed, like you know where she's renting, and there's this blue, white, red flash, like you know that's kind of like you know that flashing sequence of lights because the the neon sign just outside, um, and it had a kind of there's a repetition of that throughout the film, um, so yeah, there's some really dramatic lighting, 
um, cues with that. Um, what else did I like? The I mean, it's not a not a nice scene, but the where we discover like you know that the life that um, Sandy has fallen into with like you know into you know with um, with Jack. Yep. Um, that kind of slash running montage of like you know seediness like the the underbelly of where she's mm. working it's like oh my god you know girl taking a, drugs and yeah. yeah and that's and I, I suppose the you know in some ways whilst it's a you know there's like you know the supernatural elements that's part of the horror isn't it like you know that kind of the horror of kind of this bright light falling into the, the darkness mm. um you know uh yeah so that, i thought that was interesting there's a lot of great scenes um uh, I think you know Glenn Nail with the, the dancing one that was kind of quite good. Um, the Halloween party was nice too. The makeup, and yeah, the costumes. Mm. Yeah, that was, oh. a, that was pretty. I thought the mm. uh, her costume was pretty cool. I thought, yep, cool. the you know what a lovely name montage. You know, um, mm-hmm. that was yeah, kind of like well you know, yeah, um. Yeah, and that's and I guess that's where the psychological part comes from. It's like you know, it's kind of it's like wow, this is no Sandy. Um, yeah, what are my hey. thoughts. Uh, for me, there was probably just a couple. The discussion with the um, silver-haired guy, um, gentleman in the in the bar, where you know this is where you think she's she's pushing, and you're wondering what's going to happen here. Is he going to attack her? Or is, and then he's still really vague again communication guys it's very important but mm. really vague and then he leaves <laughs> and then obviously he gets hit by the taxi and you're like oh shit yeah what's going on here and then when you know when the bar uh, the owner of the bar comes out and he goes oh no he was a policeman his name's Lindsay." yeah and you're like oh and that's when you so then she gets that flashback to that yeah you know, the one nice gentleman that she met who was yeah, a cop. frankly it's on Lindsay. Lindsay could have just communicated well look that's right <laughs> but um yes yeah, it's sort of the oh my god okay all right now where are we going where, now where's this film going and that's when i, I really started to really pick me interest again um mm. and then not long after that we go obviously to the real the reveal of sandy being the old lady yeah um, that was that was and nice. then you can see when she's holding the cup of tea and i actually wrote it down i've gone oh she's poisoned it and that's yep. when she goes, but don't worry, you won't feel the pain that they did. And I'm like, oh, shit, no. Yep. So I really enjoyed those. I thought they were mm. just a couple of really nice twists there at the end that just, you know, oh, okay, tied the whole movie together. Yeah. Well. Mm. Uh, notable aspects. Um, I might go first while I'm still talking. Fair enough. Edgar Wright movies are just so cinematic. They're mm. just so enjoyable to watch. Like, he knows how to use the use the frame and use the camera. And we've watched a few now. What have we watched? We've watched uh, Hot Fuzz, mm-hmm. uh, Baby Driver. Um, what was that? The, uh, Scott, Scott Pilgrim. Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim. And now yeah. this. So this is our fourth Edgar Wright film. And the way that they're put together, um, not only are they shot so well, they're edited so well. Like it's they're just it's a beautifully beautifully put together production. But they've all got really good scores as well like the music in this um really does tie you into that era and i think it does it really well both in the present day and obviously in the in the 60s itself um so i think he he just makes just a really really excellent film and we've seen it again here and we saw it with the editing 
it's just incredible. You know, the dance scene that we've just, that we've talked about where Ellie and Sandy are in the, you know, the mirror and all those sort of things. And the, the, the cuts back to and from between Ellie and Sandy in the same area was just so well done. Um, I thought production wise, this film was just outstanding. Yep. Crude. Yep. Um, I thought the, the, Again, like the play on lights, there's um there's a shot in there, and I, I always love this effect where you have um the you know it's it's one shot, but the lights flash on and off like between sides, and it kind of changes the shadows oh, the on a face. Yeah, I, the room, the blue and the yeah, red. I'm I'm a sucker for that, but it also does mm. with the red and red, and um I found it actually a little bit distracting. I thought they were always generally linked with a transition, like you know between her and like the the visions, like they were kind of. You know, there, I think it's night time basically in her room. But I, I yeah. found myself going trying to catch out the editing. I'm like, oh, a blue flash of legs has to be red. You know, I was like catching it. I was trying to catch out the editing, going, oh, what if we've got two blues in a row because the editing. And I was, I was took me out of the movie a little bit because I was trying to catch it out. Ah, well, I just kept thinking, there's no <laughs> way hell I could sleep in that room. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> do my head in. <laughs> yeah, um, but the I think what really sets you know i mean like there's a lot of mise-en-scene which is kind of really nice the actual kind of the essence of the 60s we really get a good feel of that um like through the fashion and the like the the aesthetics and the the set design um that's really good um and it's all framed up in really good ways like you know um there's scenes with symmetry there's um, asymmetrical shots that kind of um but they're still quite beautiful um, you know, I think of one when we first see uh, um, Sandy and Ellie interacting via the mirror. Um, and, you know, the the right part of the frame is very much all Sandy in the mirror and, and all the kind of like the, the thing. And we see Ellie's on the left um, and, you know, she's in a plain hair and, you know, her like um, just a plain top. Um, but it's really nice. Um, yeah. And... You know the, I guess the, you know, the camera work. That's all very beautiful. Um, Edgar Wright knows how to make a film. <laughs> oh, does he ever? Yeah. Yeah. When? Yeah, my um, my other notable aspect is only one, and it's the soundtrack. Um, mm. yeah, just yeah, the soundtrack was amazing, and I've just written no surprise with Edgar Wright directing. <laughs> no, it's I I said the same thing. Just a really good score. It's a great soundtrack. Mm. It seems to be a common thing in Edgar Wright films. He just seems to be able to tie the music to the film really well. Like I know yep. a lot of people talk about like a Quentin Tarantino does it well, and he does. Mm. Um, but I think it's certainly something that Edgar Wright does. Or he's getting the right people to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hmm. yeah and, and obviously you've already talked about it, but yeah, obviously when, when it's Edgar Wright, the cinematography and the editing is, is a big part of it and – I don't think you need to talk about that being notable because it's pretty obvious that it's good. Yeah, I mean, he hints at some of his old, old work too. Like you, you think about like, um, I don't know how much of the uh, Cornetto trilogy you guys have seen, um, but that kind of, uh, often there's a drink pour or something like that and he mm-hmm. has that, but it's not his usual quick cut kind of thing, but it's still there and he does make use of it. There's like the there's five shot glasses. One, you know, there's, um, you know, there's four regular ones and one is the, uh, odd one out, like it's the measuring shot glass, the one you'd measure with it, like it's been poured into. Um, but it kind of, that, like it harks back to some of his early work too. So it's like, you know, it was nice. And the other thing I really liked was the line where they're actually having that, having a drink and they go, 
to Soho. No, Soho's to Soho. <laughs> Soho's to Soho. Um, yeah. Uh, questions, queries, tidbits. Ooh. Hey, Rob. Questions. Okay. Um, the poison at the end, like she said, you're not going to feel much, you know, but she somehow gets through the poison and lives, which it's supposed well, to knock her out. Yeah, I mean... How, but I mean, ingested poison relies on, um, you know, you do need to process it. Like, does it take that long? Like, you know, um, could adrenaline poison... of I don't know, Michael, you're the scientist. Could adrenaline oh, maybe have counteracted it somehow? I mean, Possibly. it would have been made yeah. sense if she actually threw up. And then... Yeah, it doesn't bother me and... too much. I just thought we needed a question. But... <laughs> and it's not like she looked like she drank a lot either. Like she wasn't just going. Oh, it's not no, like it's we saw her drop it. Yeah, so you know, know. a cup of tea, you, you can only yeah. sip it. Mm. Mm. Yeah, but she'd had enough for for her to reveal that it was poison. So I thought if she's comfortable to reveal that it's poison, she must have drank enough um, yeah. by now. But yeah, yeah. Um, and I had another quick one, which was the police station scene where she's being questioned in the police station and talk, talking about the murder. The lighting was very dark and just weird. For I mean, I guess it's a movie, but police stations would not be super low light when you were in a room talking to a police officer they'd be they, they'd have the light on and it wouldn't be mm. you know, a spotlight basically almost on you you know that was mm. a bit too stylized i thought yep that scene yep michael hmm um oh it's not really comes to mind um it'll be interesting i mean like uh, this you know it's hard to get rid of uh my wife coming out of like you know like you know, partway through the film, I'm I'm immersed. It's just, oh, this writing's terrible. It's like, <laughs> I mean, she'd only come in partway through the film, um, but yeah, like I think it was just around like a certain point, and it was like, oh, this writing's terrible. It's like, I'm trying to watch the film. Let me <laughs> stop <laughs> taking me out of this. Movie. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, you know, and I guess it's interesting. Like I, you know, the question there is like, you know, is it, you know. Was it good writing? Was it bad? I don't know. Like you know, I, I was, in, you know, intrigued. Whereas, you know, Kara couldn't engage. So, yep. yeah. So my, I oh, look. I mean, there were some questions about goats and all that sort of stuff, but I didn't worry about that in the end. Mm-hmm. My only question is this, right? So we know that her mum committed suicide. Mm-hmm. We know Ellie's got this power where she can see ghosts. My question is because they'd say that her mum died in London, she couldn't handle it. Mm-hmm. Did her mum? stay in that hotel in that room rental yeah is oh. that why she committed suicide i don't know but i mean you can imagine like you know um you know if she had the same gift that like she maybe the story is similar but she couldn't you know she didn't try to solve hers have, or didn't try to could have been know. any room in london yeah well yeah, yeah um I mean, like the first, like you know, when it kind of come to the end, and I was thinking, geez, I could, you know, I could watch the, I could read the book on this, like you know, I'd love to read the novel or you know, the story series is based. I think it's an original one, so you know, I can't, you know, but I'd watch the sequel. So, um, yeah, like I think it did remind me of um, uh, J.K. Rowling's Murder Mysteries, although she goes under like you know a pseudonym for it, um, like it kind of felt very much like that. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Uh, Michael, trivia. Trivia. Now, given it's a new film, it's not actually a lot of trivia, so I should get it right. now. Maybe I'm wrong. Hang on. 
All right, the final performance of Diana Rigg, who passed away on September 10, 2020. Uh, the film was dedicated to her memory. Her only child, actress Rachel Sterling, received a special thanks in the end credits. Um, and she was good. She was really good. Um, during the end credits... Uh, what's that? I was going to say, that fire wasn't real, was it? <laughs> That's where she died. Um, Method actor. Excellent. Yeah. During the uh, end credits, shots of a deserved empty uh, central London flash on screen. All of those shots were com- um, completed during COVID-19 global pandemic. The empty streets are as they were, as England at the time was in national lockdown. There you go. Mm. Um, the scene where um, Eloise first sees Sandy through the mirror is done practically. To achieve the mirror effect, the cloakroom attendant is played by twins James Phelps and Oliver Phelps. <gasps> Crazy. That's pretty cool. <laughs> that is awesome. Do love a good twin scene. Um, Anya Taylor-Joy does her own singing when Sandy performs the film, and you can actually kind of watch her sing both upbeat and downbeat downtown on the interwebs. Um, to achieve the shots of the students walking down the nighttime Soho streets, the crew hit a steady cam within a bicycle rickshaw taxi. These are common around the Soho area. The road was not closed off, and the extras in the shot were unaware they were in the movie. There you go. Ooh, not allowed. No, I'm about to say, wouldn't they have to get paid? Or yeah, well, the speaking part. Don't know, to yeah. sign a like consent form to show their image, you know. Uh, Scott, you're going to be shocked at this one. Thomas and Mackenzie dropped out of Top Gun Maverick to star in this movie. Foolish. Mistake or not? Yeah, big I don't mistake. know. She well, but she was a lead in this though. Versus what would she be in Top Gun Maverick? Maybe the daughter of Tom Cruise. I don't know. No, but, she was gonna. Yeah. She was gonna play Tom Cruise. Yeah. Oh, well, oh, she would have done a smashing job. Um, well, she could have gone. To, she could have gone to a movie that made hundreds of millions of dollars and set herself up, or she went to a film that lost twenty million dollars. I think she'll be okay. <laughs> um, during the dance sequence between Sandy, Ellie, and Jack, there were only two moments that were not practical. The rest of the transitions were entirely choreographed and done in camera. Oh, it's actually there's one of those shots with um where Matt Smith spins around to fit, uh, the light post. That was clever. That would have been a, a practical shot too, where you just kind of, well, when I say practical, you shoot both things and you kind of splice them together, you know, composite. So it's very easy. Um, but yeah, stunning. Um, uh, Edgar Wright decided early on that if he really wanted to capture Soho ambience, he would have to film on location there as opposed to recreating in a similar neighbourhood or on a studio's downstage. An enormous amount of logistical planning was needed to work around the bustling area because so many of the local businesses were open 24-7. Wright described the London location shoot as a Herc- Herculean endeavour, requiring those the close operation of his location manager with the city of Win- Westminster. Period cars, clothing and storefront signs had to be organised to accurately reflect the era. I actually looked up some of the places in the movie and it's like that's like a real pub. That's the real name of the pub and stuff. It wasn't a fake, you know, mm. a fake uh, place. It was actually a real location. The Toucan Pub. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. That doesn't happen often. Um, as Wright was setting up a shot of the stairs to, uh, to the Toucan Pub basement, uh, Terrence Stamp remarked that they weren't fit for the movies. Toucan later put up a plaque on the re- stairs reading, these stairs aren't good enough to be in a movie. Terrence Stamp. And the date. <laughs> um, the entrance used for the legendary Café de Paris is actually the Empire Cinema in Haymarket, which is just a few hundred yards away from the real Café de Paris near Leicester Square. In December 2020, the club announced it was permanently closing down after almost 100 years due to the impact of lockdown 
imposed in response to COVID-19. It's got a lot to answer for COVID, doesn't it? Mm. Um, couldn't get right after George Miller saw an early cut. This is Australian George Miller, I imagine. Uh, he was so impressed by um, Anya Taylor-Joy's performance that he met her immediately. He then offered her a leading role for his next film, Furiosa, 2024. Mm. Um, author Stephen King had the opportunity to see this movie at an advanced screening, and he was so impressed by what he saw, he tweeted, I hardly ever watch. There's so many good things out there, but this one is special. Um, the shot of Eloise running into the red-lit restaurant in the heavy rain with her hair, wet hair is reproduced from Surprise, uh, Suspiria. 1977. Um, final performance of Margaret Nolan as she passed away on October 2020. The movie's dedicated to her memory in the Anchorage. Who did Margaret Nolan play? Um, uh, Barcade. Oh, yeah. Maybe. Um, and this movie was inspired by Don't Look Now, 1973, and Repulsion, 1965. Mm. We'll leave it there. Oh. Oh. Final thoughts and rating. Obviously, we do rate out of 10. 10 being a fantastic movie. Zero being a terrible movie, and five being it somewhere in between. Are we doing a scariness rating as well? We will. We'll do a yeah. scare factor rating after that. Obviously, mm-hmm. a 10 being I shat my pants, zero being Scooby-Doo's scarier than this, and five being, eh, not bad. <laughs> yeah, it's about at least. I, I jumped. <laughs> All right. Uh, Glenn, I'll leave you to last because you did choose this movie. Michael, what did you – give me your uh, score first. My score, oh, um, I think six and a half is my score for this Halloween special. Yep. Um, it like it, it was, and it, it'd be interesting, like you know, because it, it's like cinematically, it's really quite pretty. Um, uh, and the acting's you know top notch, and like you know, as is the men's on sin. Um, but I guess in that kind of horror genre, um, it really you know, it lacks the the full scare kind of vibe. Um, I think it, it possibly could have got into the um, uh, the mystery a bit harder, a bit earlier, um, but it's still stunning. Like you know, it's like you know, and it's clever and like um, yeah, it's you know, sort of really nice to watch the the actors do what they're doing and and the camera and the editing to do you know pull that together. Um, but yeah, but I guess you know, in the horror you know horror thing side of things. Could have been a bit more punchier. Yep. Or stabbier, I suppose. <laughs> All right. Uh, I actually agree, Michael. I also gave it a six and a half. Um, I'd actually rate it at a little bit higher, but then I've watched some movies since and I thought, nah, but I don't think it stacks up to those. Um, I agree. I, I think as a, as a film and a production, this is incredible. It's mm. beautiful to watch. It's really well made and everything else. I just don't think it quite back that horror punch that we probably were hoping for. I thought, look, it's it, it's a fun film, um, but, you know, like I watched it last week and obviously we had a week break before we were recording this um, and I didn't really see the need to, to go back and watch it. So um, I, think it, I think it definitely deserved more than the $20 million it made. Like it was actually, it's better than some other films that have been out there. Absolutely. Um, and I so think it, definitely I think it probably suffers that it's a British film. Mm. Um, I just don't think that would resonate in America, which is obviously where you're going to get your biggest bang for your buck. So, yep. um, yeah, certainly didn't deserve to lose $20 million. It's a better mm. film than that. But, yeah, I think six and a half for me. Glenn? Yep. Well, 
I think uh, you guys know that I love a time travel movie. You do? Uh, I, I, I love even movies that are just set at different uh, times. Except, except Edge of Tomorrow. That's stupid movie, but that doesn't oh, count. It was a great movie. That movie was amazing. Anyway. It's, it's like Groundhog Day for sci-fi. It's <laughs> always like a, it's a Groundhog Day for, you know, horror, Groundhog Day for sci-fi. And then there's going to be one day, Groundhog Day. God, that film was amazing. Anyway, well, I digress. Sorry, or is it a horror? This movie was a bit it was a bit slow to start, I thought. It's like, especially when you watch the second or third watch, you really wanted to get to London and get going, um, move into this apartment um, and get into the 60s. Like, it takes a long time to get there, it feels like, especially the second time you, or third time you watch it. Um, but there's a lot of good things about this as movie, like the soundtrack, the setting made me want to, I just wanted to go back to London and just live there again, like f- visit again, because just the shots just transported mm. me back there and, and, and the streets and just the places and the feeling of it was just great. And, um, I do love the dance sequence so much that I, I've made Anna watch it because she won't watch a horror, but I made her watch that sequence. <laughs> just so good. Um, yeah, my score was seven and a half out of 10. Mm, fair enough. Yep. All right. So with a six and a half, a six and a half, and a seven and a half, that gives us a total score of 20.5. I think it's doing better than some of our films that are actually in our regular season. Uh, it would, yes. Yes, Marvel. <laughs> Let's have a look. If It's our number one it, Halloween movie so far. Yeah. Uh, it would be sitting equal fourth with Contagion. Mm. It'd be behind Zombie Double Tap, Pulp Fiction, and Get Out. Uh, but ahead of Whiplash, out of sight, three billboards. There you go. Hmm. All right, scare factor. Scare factor. So again, yes, we do rate out of 10. 10 being a crap my pants. Zero being scooby Doo's out of five. Uh, I'll go first. I thought it's about a two, two mm-hmm. or three at most. Um, I didn't find it scary at all. Again, it was more of a, it felt like a bit of a, you know, that, Mystery, like you said, Michael, a supernatural whodunit sort of thing. Yeah. Murder mystery. It's more as opposed to horror. Hmm. So hmm. I thought it was a four and a half, uh, four, four out of ten. Like, you know, yeah. I definitely jumped when the, like, you know, um, uh, I think, what was it? Uh, Illy's kind of said, you know, get away from her and then woken up and then someone's grabbed her. Um, it's like that. Ah. <laughs> so you know, there was definitely jumps in there. Um, the haunting is kind of quite effective. Um, you know, such a pretty name, such you know, and like you know, there's kind of those things, and and the the that sort of you know the ghost approaching as it try and you know it's about to take off its pants to kind of it's like you know it's like that was a bit creepy. Um, and then the masses of like you know ghosts is like um Ellie's running through London is what well, Soho was kind of you know. It was definitely like that kind of like, oh my god, this is like you know, she's freaking out. Is it? And I guess like the question is, this a mental health or is it, you know, seeing ghosts? I was definitely on the, the seeing ghost side, but yeah, it's like you know, it did it did get like a little bit scary there. A four, a four scary. Yep. All right, Glenn. I I don't know how to do this score because I don't get scared in movies. Did you crap your pants? <laughs> no. Oh, Not a 10, 10. <laughs> Did you jump? No, I don't think so. I'll give it maybe Not, a three and a half. Three. Not a three five. Was it scarier yeah. than Scooby-Doo? I haven't seen it. You haven't seen Scooby-Doo? I haven't seen any no. Scooby-Doo's. Like Scooby-Doo. Oh, I've seen heaps of the cartoons. Yeah, the yeah, cartoons. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. I thought you meant the movie. 
No. Yeah. Oh, that? yeah. <laughs> oh, no, that's not that's not horror. Hello, Maggie. That's never a ghost or something. It's just people in masks. <laughs> All right. So out of I did like the thirty, faces. the blurred faces were good. Mm. Uh, out of thirty, this had a scare factor of ten point five. Mm. So I think that's not very scary. Wasn't scary. No. All right. Now, usually it's time we go to our cinematic leap, but normally we're not leaping because this is our special Halloween episode. Yep. So. Uh, we could leap, but knowing us, we'd forget by next year in terms of what we chose. So, yes. <laughs> yeah, and hard to leap to a certain to a horror from. Yeah, well, we did contemplate trying to do a genre. So you would pick a genre, and then either me or Michael would pick the uh, pick from that. But I think we'll just go with our random selection next yeah. year, and we'll see how we go. I'm hoping for Slither. That shit was scary. Well, put it on your list next year, Michael. You never know. The Scrabble tiles might fall your way. <laughs> uh, obviously, socials, we are on X or Twitter, as it, as we call it. Um, well, depending on how long, unless we start getting charged for it, then we'll be off it pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, our podcast can be found wherever you find good podcasts, uh, Spotify, Audible, so on and so forth. Uh, and obviously you can find us all our episodes, all the scores, everything at our fantastic website, cinematicleap.com. We're also on Facebook. Just search for Cinematic Leap. Uh, and on Twitter, we are on at Cinematic Leap is our handle. Uh, please feel free to rate and review us. Tell your friends. Um, you know, we're, we're keen to get this out to as many people as possible. So, and listen uh, to our thank, regular episodes. Yes, we thank you all for as your well. support very much. Uh, mm. And we'd love to get more. All right. Ha- happy Halloween. Fun. Yeah, happy Halloween. <laughs> that was fun. It's the end of horror month, or nearly. It's We've got a week or eight days to go when we're recording this, so I reckon I could sneak in a couple more. I reckon you can. Yeah. I might actually watch one. <laughs> <laughs> but no, thanks, everyone, for listening. Obviously, listen, uh, our next scheduled episode will be Dick, uh, which was picked by Glenn, I do believe. I think it's to pick all the films. Um. <laughs> all right. Yeah, don't don't Google um, that movie if if you, yeah, you've got to use a few <laughs> more words um, if you're trying to look for. Anyway, never mind. Yeah, actually, yeah, be, be careful you do search for that. Uh, but no, thank you all for listening. Hope you have a fantastic Halloween if you celebrate it. Um, and thanks. Yeah, we'll listen to you next time. Take the Chevy to the living and like that. He's gone. In case I don't see ya. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. Cinematic Leap. Did I just tell people to listen to us next time? Listen to you next time?